and welcome to San Francisco Ballet's Points of View podcast. In this episode, you'll hear dance educator Mary Wood in conversation with two members of San Francisco Ballet's production team, Patty Fitzpatrick and Kate Scherer, and with principal dancer Vitor Louise speaking about the costumes and makeup for Liam Scarlett's Frankenstein. Hope you enjoy. Well, I just want to say good evening and thank you to Jenny and uh, add my own welcome to this evening's Points of View program. It's an understatement to say that it's incredibly exciting to have an encore of this blockbuster hit from last season, Frankenstein. And, of course, it's impossible for us to decide, for us to say... Um, everything there is to say about Frankenstein. So we could be talking about Mary Shelley, the author of the book written in 1816 on which the ballet is based, or we could discuss all of the complex and compelling themes brought out in the story as described in your very excellent program notes by Cheryl Osola. Um, The themes of the consequences of abandonment the risks of tampering with the creation of human life, and most of all, the power of love, both given and withheld. And then there are the three major characters and a a bunch of supporting characters. Their interpretations by, um, we have, I think, three-plus casts of dancers. Um, Then there's the luscious choreography of Liam Scarlet. And, of course, for all of and that and more, I urge you to go to the website, drill down the Frankenstein page, and you'll find videos and recorded interviews and articles written. It's a wealth of information there that can enhance your appreciation of this very complex and fascinating work. <clears throat> or we could hone in on the spectacle that makes telling this story such a compelling theatrical experience. And so we have gathered together tonight um, the ones who can help us take a more in-depth look at the production, specifically costuming, which is lavish, and makeup, which is exceptional. (laughs) And Vitor hasn't even twitched. Oh, he winked. Okay. Um, I'm just focused. Sorry. <laughs> um, and then, of course, the costuming that helps us um, tell a story from a different era. And we need to be put in that time and place. So with that in mind, I want to, uh, again, introduce my guests. Of course, on your left is principal dancer Vitor Luiz. Thank you. Vitor joined the company as a principal dancer nine seasons ago. Uh, We've seen him perform all the great classical and dramatic lead roles, as well as leading roles in San Francisco Ballet's extensive neoclassical and contemporary repertoire. And then he created the role of of the creature in the San Francisco Ballet production, which premiered last season. And then on Vitor's left... Next, you're right. Um, Kate Scher. Kate is the, um, she has a fantastic title, the manager of wardrobe, wig, makeup, and costume construction. And she says there's even more. And shoes. (laughs) And shoes. Uh, Kate has been in this management position with San Francisco Ballet for 
three years, three seasons, and I'm looking forward to listening to the amazing things she will have to say about managing this production. And then Patty Fitzpatrick, no stranger to any of you, who is currently listed as the head of women's wardrobe. Yes. And you've had any number of titles over the, what did we just say? 30? 35 years. 35 years with San Francisco Ballet. So, Nobody. Patty, welcome. <clears throat> kind of hard to know exactly where to start, but I think I'd like to start by asking Kate, okay. who is in this management position, um, describe <clears throat> what the manager of all of those things does, a sort of a job description, and maybe just a word or two about the preparation that brought you to a job like this. Um, let's see, what do I do? A daily basis, it changes. Every day it changes. Uh, I oversee uh, exemplary crews of people who do the wardrobe and the hair and makeup. I mean, I couldn't do this without them. Uh, so luckily I have them, I have Patty, to help every day with the actually getting everything on stage. Uh, I oversee it, I make sure that it looks right. Uh, from the audience, I get to watch the ballets a few times and say, that looks right, that doesn't. Um, and I get to organize that, that end of it. I also organize all of the new builds. So all of the new ballets that you'll see this year and every year, uh, I talk to the designers and find builders and get everything built and do all the fittings for all of that. So that takes up a huge part especially this year. Um, and then I also take care of all the shoes for all of the dancers. So um, I like to say head to toe for a dancer. That's what I take care of. Um, I started doing theater. I did a lot of theater. I've done a lot of Shakespeare. Um, and then a dance company came through the theater that I was at, and they had just lost their wardrobe person. And I knew of the company and I knew some of the people in it and they, they asked me to help out um, and I said yes and they said great can you come to Omaha and I said okay and they said can you come to Columbia and I said Missouri and they said no no South America and I said yes I'll find some time I'll take some time off of work and so I went down to South America with the Trey McIntyre project and loved it, and I loved working with them and with the dancers. It's a very different experience working, working with dancers than working with actors. And so they offered me a full-time job, and I took a year, and then I said, yes, I'd like that job. And so I moved to Boise, Idaho, and I lived in Idaho for about a year and a half, and then somehow this job happened, and so I decided to come here. I hope we are better to work with than actors. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's one of the things we're going to ask about shortly down here is dancers move a little differently than actors, huh? and that is probably a challenge for you and your work. Um, you actually mentioned that you manage the, um, the staff who are the production staff, but could you quickly break that down? So that 
for this production, that's a lot of people. It is. It absolutely is. So I oversee four heads of department. Uh, there's two heads of department in the wardrobe and two in hair and makeup, and they have crews of people. In hair and makeup, there are 15 people working on this production, and yeah. in wardrobe, there are 11 dressers, two stitchers, and a laundry person. So every day backstage that I oversee, it's mm -hmm. 25 30 people. Are you still in any way hands-on? I am not. I do not get to be hands-on. Uh, this is a union house, and the union crew members are the ones who do the work, and it's very important that they do the work. They are trained in this. They have been working in this for years. So I don't actually touch anybody. I can point at things. I touch people. <laughs> uh, but... I'm not the dresser, and I'm not the person who actually puts on the makeup. I have highly skilled people who do that. Fantastic. Yeah. Um, let's move to, I want to come back to some questions about makeup, but let's move to Patty. Patty, you're um, head of wardrobe, but are you still actively dressing? No. I don't, I don't actively dress. I haven't dressed for years. And I would only dress in the case of an emergency. Mm -hmm. Because as long as I'm a supervisor, then I um, supervise the dressing crew. Mm -hmm. And I supervise the work that's done on a daily basis as far as maintenance and laundry and alterations and all the adjustments that take place um, in order to make the particular performance go on at night. Mm -hmm. So... Many of this audience, I'm sure, has heard the wonderful story of your background and how you ended up here. But just in a couple of sentences, how you got started making costumes. Um, it, yeah, it's... Uh, uh, I was a professional ice skater, and I traveled around the world for 10 years performing as in shows ice skating. And prior to that, I made my own costumes skating and performed down at the Emporium on top of the roof for Santa Claus, like in the 50s and 60s. Okay, so that was my introduction to performance and costume making. And from there, when I came back and I went to work in San Francisco here, I went to work at the Gap and Macy's in retail management and merchandising. Um, and then I was in a bad car accident, and a friend of mine said, as long as I was having to go to physical therapy all the time, that uh, she wanted me to take over for her uh, restoring Stars and Stripes at the Ballet Warehouse. And she was going to go and work on a film. And uh, at that time, Pat Bebbins and George Elvin were on tour with the ballet. And so I went to the warehouse and started to restore Stars and Stripes. Very easy, taking the bars off and sewing them on. And I could sit and then I could go up to St. Francis and do my physical therapy and come back. And when they came, when George and Pat came back from tour, Pat decided that we worked well together. And I stayed on as, as her assistant at that time in the opera house here. And, and so that was 1983. That's just wonderful. That's it. <laughs> And as I said, you've had any number of job actual titles, but I have being yeah. being in the thick of doing the laundry and stitching and now supervising has been your story, and it's a pretty remarkable one. Um, this production, 
has lots of costumes. And they are um, for all the different characters who t are in different roles of um, society. But um, mostly they're more upper class. Also, this, this uh, story takes place in the 18th century. So can you characterize, for instance, the costumes that both the men and the women have to wear? Um, and how, how can an 18th century look translate into an actually danceable piece of clothing? Well, I think that we have to look at the designs by John McFarlane because that, that's where the, it's, it's, it's the actual creation of the designs and the patterns and the, and the use of fabric that makes it so um, complementary to the dancer's body, I would say. And, and I, I think that when you, when you take into consideration the choreography and then all the movement that has to take place, you really have to create costumes with uh, bodices that are fitted and boned, but they also have to be supple and, and created that you would cut them, the fabrics on the bias and their lines so that they, they move and they can cling to the body. And they're light, the ball, you know, the ballroom and the different ones. But they also have to have a look of um, sort of that stern, cold uh, look of the of the 18th century. And so the, you can do you can achieve that through color and fabric to make it look like it's heavy and that it's weighted and severe. But actually, it is danceable. And lightweight. And lightweight. Um, John McFarlane, who's the designer, um, actually said that um, the 18th century um, is a kind period for dancers because so much of his of the fashion in that day was exposed the neck and the shoulders. I thought that was a kind of a fun thing for him to say. Mm -hmm. um, we've been uh, letting Vitor sit there listening patiently all this time. One of the things we haven't said a whole lot about is makeup yet. Um, clearly, t dancing the role of the creature, yes. you are wearing a unique costume <laughs> and pretty um, spectacular makeup. Before we really talk about how you turn into the creature, I think it might be helpful to understand who the creature is in Liam's um, context. Who does Liam want the, con the creature to be? So tell us what you, what you know about that. Okay. So um, I think the Liam's creature and my creature and maybe one way's creature, everybody have a different way of imagining how the creature would look like. For most people, maybe it looks green with that thing here because that's what they saw in the movies you know that's yeah. the the first if you think Frankenstein most people would think of that image as a creature but I the thing is he would never tell you what the creature should look like he probably would show the movements and he would make uh, you understand what the feelings were at the, the time but he was never ex specifically saying well you should look like this or just copy me um, he let it very open, which is a gift. And, and it's not like we were just doing the steps we want. No, we have a, a way to do it, and it's a choreography. But because every character, uh, we, 
it's kind of, we are the filters of the, the character because everything is fake. We were just talking about how the costumes are being made with uh, actually these amazing people over here. Without them, we could not do any of this. And I'm thankful every day because when you have a problem, you're like, party, you know, it's, it's who we run to. But um, all this, we, we know, know, the audience knows it's all fake, but one thing is real, which is our emotions. And even if we're pretending to do something, the gun is fake, everybody knows, but you have to make believe for yourself and so the audience can believe that's actual dangerous object. So, that, and you can only do that fully when you have full makeup on and when you see yourself in the mirror, and in my case it was really weird because we had, first we did the casting of the head only, it took about two hours to just put the gel in your eyes. I could not breathe. I was like, oh, my God. Oh, my God. Because you can't move. It's the most... It, even your ear, and it starts to itch, and you feel like something's pulling your eye. It's awful. And then they do the casting because they have to measure the head so they can... It, it takes about eight hours to make the shape of the head. And then you sit there for an hour and a half. And then we had one feeding... Uh, before for a photo shoot and I kind of saw for the first time how I would look like and I was so scared. I was like, whoa, okay. That's, that's not what I expected but I didn't know the steps yet. So uh, then the steps came along and and when I saw the whole production then it all makes sense to me and I finally knew just by like the, the week of the performance or so what this creature means. So And I, and I don't think I still know. I, I think it's uh, every time. Now this second year we... I. I have more time to revisit certain things and and it like you kind of go deeper into the mm -hmm. character but you know the the best part is that you get to shave your legs that's uh, I guess you know it's not the best part obviously <laughs> <laughs> but they have to make because imagine they they spray makeup on you so you're you're there like a statue and they blow that cold air all over you and in like that and it's a lot of work and and so obviously it's worth it i mean it's not like i have to gain 200 pounds to play a uh, someone in the movie, so I, it's okay, you know. But we do like my, even my hair is shorter. I don't I don't ever have this hair stuck, but they need to glue here, otherwise it doesn't stay. You know, so there is so much, and I think Frankenstein is maybe the the character that I have to do more preparation uh, before mm -hmm. than all other characters for sure. You know, it's um, and it's a gift. I, I'm so thankful to be here and to be able to. Like this very moment we have in San Francisco Ballet and to have a production like this is very, it's something that you remember for life. Well, there's certainly, um, your, your picture, the creature's picture is everywhere, so I think everyone knows what we're building up to. Um, Liam had some very um, interesting ideas, and I will refer you to one of the video clips on the website. <clears throat> um, the creature is both a very gentle um, character, I don't want to say person, um, and also does some really terrible things. Mm -hmm. And I think maybe that's the more popular perception of this, this character. Uh, do you have, did you learn to have a sympathy for this character? Yes, yes. And I, I realized during the 
preparation, reading the book, and I would stop for a moment and just imagine if I was him, what would I feel? And it seems to me that he was just a soul that was just all of a sudden wake up in this body and it's all deformed and weird and people look at you and they just run away. Or, and then he started to learn on about human nature and how we would communicate. And also he in the way learned how to be mean as well. Mm-hmm. He didn't know. And, and I, you know, it's, I remember uh, growing up in Brazil, we know there's a very huge gap between the poor and the rich. So I remember seeing small kids, maybe three, four-year-olds, and they would just walk around town. <clears throat> Excuse me. And, um, and they, they know how to mug you. They know how to rob you. And, and so in the same way, at the same time, you have that sympathy for those kids, but you're fearful of them. And I think that's maybe what the creature is, you know, you, you, you sympathize with him, but he's a killer. And, you know, so that was maybe my, my thing, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. and I try to kind of play that as well. You know, it, it's very sad to say, but it is a reality in many places. And then I, and I think as an artist, we just pick from, you know, your own, what you observe in the world and... That was uh, something that that touched me emotionally, just because he, yeah, that you know, he's a kid and he's alone, he's abandoned, just like these other kids. So, um, before I ask you a few other questions about interpreting the part, um, getting back to this this costume, which must help you in your interpretation. You said when you actually saw it, you knew who you were. Yes. If I could ask Kate to say a little bit more about, just technically, about this costume, the, the, the cap and the actual application of the makeup. And we've been reading it takes an hour and a half to do the makeup. And then I read this startling thing about how there is a new cap for every single performance and it takes eight hours to make. Mm-hmm. Say a little bit more about that extraordinary Yeah, complex takes an hour and a half. Uh, yeah. I got to go to London and see the production, and I got to spend an hour and a half watching them do the creature hmm. with knowing that it had nothing to do with my dancers. It was just a learning experience. So really learned about it and came back and said, okay, I need to find somebody who does prosthetics. And we were lucky to have members of our union who can, and we, were, we found somebody, mm-hmm. Tim Santry, who came in and learned exactly what needed to happen and we got all of the guys and did head molds of them and now there are busts of them so we have busts of the four creatures three this year but four I won mine by the way yeah so I'm going to give them all their own busts they can put it on their mantle uh, <laughs> I heard mine doesn't have the ear anymore yeah, I, I so wonder where it went Tim had to chip the ears off to make these molds so he has to, to make a mold, it takes eight hours about to just get the shape of it and do some painting. And then, so each individual creature has their own head mold so that it fits them correctly. Um, so Tim takes all the time and makes all the molds. And then he and his, the person who works with him, Lisa, come in and they're here a few hours before uh, get everything set up, and then 
our creature comes in and make sure we make yes we do we make sure his hairline is right so that we because it's going to get covered up and we have to glue they have to glue the all the prosthetics to the head um, so it's a couple layers of bald it's a layer of bald cap just to make sure that their hair is in and then they put the mold on and then they have molds of scars so there's a piece that goes across the face and down the neck and you'll be able to see them and you can definitely see them on the all the photos it looks just amazing and then they paint and paint and paint and paint and paint um, and then they airbrush yeah, so it's it's a it's a long process. So it's an hour and a half in. Um, in in the UK, it took them a half an hour to get out, as well. Yeah, yeah. I thought we got it down a little bit, maybe twenty maybe, minutes. Yeah. Eh. We'll still so, have to shower after. Yes, yeah. <laughs> so it's it's a long process for the creature. I mean, the creature starts. They have to sit in a chair, an hour and a half before curtain, because we want to make sure they're done, and then do a full performance, and then still sit for half an hour afterwards. So it's a long, long, arduous process for the creatures. And, you know, it's... It yeah. Can I just say one yeah. thing? I would like to thank Tim and Lisa because they're such a great duet because it's part of our preparation to be sitting there. And they make it so light and so joyful. So that's my thank, thank you. I can imagine the challenge of... Most dancers are just moving beings, and to have to sit without moving for an hour and a half must be just very difficult. Um, my next question is then, when, how do you warm up? And is this costume, we're talking about it's paint, but it's also a body stocking. Um, have you got the freedom to move? And having seen the choreography, you certainly have to do a lot of moving. Yeah, it's very easy to, well, uh, it's the material that do the bodysuit is really light. So it's really feels like nothing because it is kind of, and it's supposed to be because you want to have that look of a, you know, almost naked, I would say. And we also have a, a couple of jackets and they're also very mm -hmm. good. And that's when, you know, our department comes in and they make sure we can always, uh, feel free and but going back to that thing about uh, how the character comes alive well there are, there are moments where Leon said well in the costume you see there is uh, some scars that comes over here and they oh, I'm sorry I'm doing this uh, and then you have to follow and those things you can only know once you have them and and yeah and you can see the stitching so there is parts of the choreography where you're pulling up the, the stitching as you like angry at yourself or something. Uh, so, yeah, you that is just you become one thing only with the, the, the like the full thing, and and it you know that sensation. The only we only got to do uh, on dress rehearsal. It's not before. Yeah, that's amazing. And then I had imagined that you learned the part, and then saw the costume, but you mentioned that you actually saw the costume before you yeah. learned the part. Yeah, well... Did that help you with the interpretation of it? It did a bit, yes, but it was too soon. Because the mm -hmm. first time I saw, I think I did the, 
days and without seeing the choreography. And I happened to be in London, and I met Liam, and I said, do you have anything I want to see? I want to see, because I couldn't go with you guys. And, and then he showed me, and then I finally saw how he moved, because mm -hmm. uh, in dance it could be anything. Yeah, you know, it could be con super contemporary on the, like, move. It, it's just, there's an infinity of possibilities. And it made sense, but, um, yeah, but on the photo shoot, I, did, I, I had some poses that we go, went for, I guess. Yeah. But mm. I, you know, and they, I remember someone was asking, like, how do you feel doing the creature? I was like, I haven't done it. I don't know. Because it's a co-production, you might have understood by now, uh, between Royal Ballet and us. So they did it first, and then we did it better. No, just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I, just I kidding. Mean, I've seen both. No, so, well. Yes. Yeah. And that's not a bias. I, I think I'm kidding. They they were beautiful too. They were absolutely beautiful, but having yeah. seen both of them, yeah. thank you. I, I like this one a lot better. Tap myself in the yeah. Leaving, you made me think of something. Leaving the creature for a moment and getting back to some of the other characters, Victor and his friend um, Henry. Henry. Um, they are dressed in coats. When you said coats, it made me think of it. Um, they are period 18th century coats, and they do potages and they do variations in these coats. How do you construct a coat um, so that a male dancer can do that kind of dancing? They have to. They should fit really well. That's the main thing. And um, the way that the pleating and everything is done in the, in the design lines makes it so that it, it becomes very light and airy so that you can move around. Mm -hmm. And then um, we have this, uh, which really does help, and it doesn't always happen in all costumes, but if you, but if you t take and put spandex in, in the seams, like in the back seams, and in the 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 prince sort of the princess line there, and uh, you just have like about an inch or so, so that the seams look like they're closed, but when they breathe and when they move, that it actually moves with them, then that that really helps. It also helps so that that two, two dancers can share a costume, and they're a little bit different size, so. That raises another question, um, sharing costumes. This is a co-production with the Royal Ballet of England. And um, how much of the production is shared? And how many costumes are actually constructed on our dancers versus on their dancers, et cetera? Kate? Uh, none of them were constructed on our dancers. It, were, it was all built by them. Everything is shared. Uh, so... They built for their dancers, and then we got the costumes. So there was a lot of trying to make things fit. Um, the nice thing is, is that because it's also our production, that we could do alterations and know that we didn't have to make sure it went back so it fit their dancer, um, because it's ours as well. So that was a big, big help to us. So we could do some major alterations, and we've subsequently done some more building uh, because things don't last as long as one would like them to and uh, and we that's we had one costume built for one of our dancers because nothing fit so we did in fact hire somebody in the UK to build one more costume 
for us. Okay. You're not going to reveal who that was, right? Who that dancer was? It, it, it wasn't that Don't he didn't to. fit in everything. <laughs> yeah. He just didn't, we just, just didn't have anything to fit him. Yeah. You look like you're about ready to no. add something. Oh, you're just thinking. <laughs> but I do. Just yeah. listening. The fitting of um, the costumes. Is, it's, um, leaving yeah, the, it's a lot. the ballet, I want to just seize this moment to ask some questions I've thought about for a long time about <clears throat> the dancer's preparation for any roles, including makeup. <clears throat> I know that character makeup, yours being a really extreme example, um, would have to be done by one of the many makeup artists that the staff employs. But um, what about just the everyday dancers? Um, Kate, you were saying that there are ways and um, the dancers sometimes do their own. How, how does that work? Are there rules? <laughs> no, there aren't, there aren't any rules. There's a... Uh, what? There should be what? There's pictures. There are. There are pictures. Ah. Um, and we do have crew of people who uh, can look at a picture and just make it happen on any dancer who walks in. So that's... Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, there is also... A, we have a basic makeup, stage makeup. And then from there, let's say, if you, most of you probably have seen Nutcracker, uh, let's say for the snow scene, we're t taught to do... Uh, either you can do your own, but, or you can do go downstairs. And there is some shades of, I, I think it's like a purple and blue, maybe I can't remember. Um, so depending on the character, you you kind of slightly change, or of course. But if you have to do, a, let's say, an older person, then it's a harder job to do. And we count on the professionals to that they do really, really well. And but uh, yeah, we I guess. Uh, all the dancers should know how to do the basic makeup. And from there, I mean, of course, if you, you have to do something else, just, you know. And, and then sometimes it the, depends if it's a contemporary piece. Sometimes they ask you to wear your hair in a certain way, maybe slick back or, or use your darker shadow mm -hmm. in the eyes. So it changes a lot. And because we have those, uh, our repertory season, when you have the triple views, we... Um, every night we we might have to change makeup some at some point during the the performance, mm -hmm. and all that ha happens super quick while you're changing, just like maybe you know. And then and I know a lot of the dancers they also have to wear the wigs, and that takes some time as well. So there is some while the 15 minutes happens or the the, the break back happens, I see a lot of people going up and down and trying to put the wig on. And, so there is a lot of mess that goes around here. You guys have no idea, but it's, it's great. It's great. Um, one of the things that you mentioned was um, the, the costumes, first of all, going back and forth or in a production <clears throat> Sorry, that, um, that, is, that is performed a lot, so the costumes get a lot of wear and tear. Um, one of the quotes from John McFarlane is that... Um, Liam's sort of famous for being hard on costumes, and his quote is, Liam's capable of shredding a costume in one rehearsal. Um, how, how do you handle the fact that just plain dancing is going to be hard on a costume, and you have to turn around and do it again the next day? Uh, I, I think a lot of that is actually the preparation beforehand. It's how things are built, mm -hmm. and so it's... It, that's a huge part of it. I mean, anything with stretch is our friends. 
at this point. Um, I started with a company once and uh, a designer had bought some suits off the rack and they went into rehearsal and the first day came out and said, my pants are split. And I said, well, of course they are because you can't move in them. So that was, was we had to completely redesign and rebuild everything in a short period of time because it's the fabric choice that really mm-hmm. is the beginning of everything. And then you get a crew of people like Patty who can fix anything. I'm not kidding. The maintenance. I know, Patty, you've told many a story of <clears throat> taking tutus home and uh, laundering them in your bathtub. Yes. Um, that's another thing that comes to mind is these costumes are getting a lot of wear by a lot of people who are doing a lot of very hard work. How much, how often do they need to be cleaned and how on earth do you clean them? I'm just imagining the cleaners down the block saying, oh Lord, here they come again. Um, I don't like the dry cleaners at all. Um, (laughs) Mainly because it's, we're getting better. We are getting better. We're getting more green. We're getting more friendly. But the chemicals and things, they're not good for you. So we do everything by hand, and it's all washed and laundered inside. The costumes are done inside, and we use our Dr. Bonner's peppermint soap that's that's just mixed with water. And then we use plain water, and then we use vodka at night and spray the costumes and uh, it's a concoction that seems to work and keep everything nice and fresh and clean. And it's also, the, the dancers share the costume, so it's required that we launder anything that's next to their body every single performance. So when they perform two times in a day, everything goes down to the laundry and gets laundered and washed and cleaned by hand and put in the drying room. And then it's all reset and steamed for the evening performance. And if we're lucky, maybe the principals don't share that day, but a lot of times they do, like the Elizabeths. You know, well, we have three sets of costumes, but maybe two of them share and one of them doesn't. And so anything mm-hmm. that falls apart during the performance um, has to be backed and the net has to be repaired. And it, it, it requires a, quite, quite a few people to maintain it, and especially if you want it to last like 20 or 30 years. And do we have ballets that are 20 or 30 years old? Oh, we have them 40 years old that I had to take out today. <laughs> Stars and Stripes for I was, the... Uh, I was just going to say, I don't know if we have time showcase. to get into that. We don't have to go there. But yes, um, uh, there are ba- we have ballets that are, that are 30, 35, 37, mm-hmm. and 40 years old. The best is when a trainee puts it on and says, oh, it's my mother's age. Yes. That's what they do. Yeah. You, you can keep them working if it's good fabric, if it's natural fibers, and uh, they, they will last. I was just thinking we might make um, an unabashed plug for the student showcase, and the dancers are going to be performing Stars and Stripes. Yes. Oh, that's so exciting. And they're going to wear the 40-year-old costumes? I just did Stars and Stripes. And mm-hmm. You did it. Because they were built so well. They were built so well. You know, they might look rough from maybe the, what is it called, the hooks. They you need replacement. But, you know, when those guys get the hands on, it, you come out, it looks yep. just new. You know? It'll and, be beautiful. Yeah. 
Well, magic. we are getting to that magic moment when we need to start wrapping up. And I want to thank Patty and just, we are so grateful for your 35 years of devotion. Yes, um, Patty. Thank you. I'm not even going to say the R word. No. 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 And <laughs> I want to thank Kate so much for uh, the insight and for the fact that we have this um, remarkable, well, we have such a huge repertoire and we have so much going on. And to have someone who has to hold it all together, I'm we're grateful to you. And thank you so much, Vitor, thank you. for all of your performances. And we will see you perform The Creature... Tomorrow and Saturday night. Aha. Mm -hmm. So we can look forward to that. As we say our goodbyes this evening, I want to remind those of you who are not holding tickets for the performance, you need to exit to the right as you came in and surrender your little pass to the ushers. You can probably still find a seat for tonight's performance if you didn't have a ticket but you're inspired and want to attend. Otherwise, if you are holding a ticket, you can just pass out that direction toward the lobby and find your assigned seats. Thank you all so very much. We look forward to seeing you for our next Points of View program. Thank and thank you. Thanks for listening to San Francisco Ballet's Points of View podcast. For other podcasts and audience engagement programming, check out sfballet.org explore.